You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Hello and welcome to My Dog Digs Dirt, an upbeat, fun, educational show all about pets and animals and the humans who love them. I'm your host, Lauren Collier. On today's show, have you ever met a wolf? Well, you can. I have and I loved it. We'll find out how you can meet one too and get an inside look at the oh-so-fabulous Wolf Conservation Center and their mission to teach all of us about wolves, their relationship to the environment, and our role as humans in protecting their future. We'll also meet the founders of a wonderful, incredibly terrific rescue group called Yorkie 911, dedicated to protecting those who can't protect themselves. Keep those paws in place. My Dog Digs Dirt is back right after this. It's hard to find time for your furry family member. That's where Camp Bow Wow comes in. All day play and overnight camp, daycare and boarding for dogs. Everything is included. Large play areas for fun and exercise. Spacious cabins, comfy cots, even live camper cams to watch from a computer or smartphone. Camp Bow Wow offers the best care and is the place to go where a dog can be a dog. For locations and more information, visit CampBowWow.com. Yuppie Puppy City Kitty provides pet lovers an opportunity to earn up to 50% commission selling our premium pet products. Advocate Gina Brick says the opportunity to share such a quality product line with other pet lovers is amazing. The support of the Yuppie Puppy City Kitty family while working the business is a true gift. Mention special code PETLIFE when you enroll today and receive three additional products free. Find us at www.ypckpets.com. That's ypckpets.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to My Dog Digs Dirt. I am joined by the fabulous Maggie Howell, Executive Director of the Wolf Conservation Center in South Salem, New York. And Maggie, I am so excited to introduce you to my new listeners. Maggie was a guest many times on the Pet Talk Show, and we actually had the pleasure of going to the center and doing a couple of on-location shows, which was so much fun. And of course, Maggie, you know, I was thrilled to not only meet your Ambassador Wolf, Atka, but also some of your wolf pups. So I, I have to share that with my new listeners. So glad you're here today. Oh, thanks for having me. And I know Atka started to come on our show when he was just a little pup. He's How old is yeah. he now? He is going to be turning 14 in May, wow. and he's doing great. So, yeah, he's all grown up. <laughs> oh, I can't even believe it. It's so wild. We have to tell folks, uh, first of all, who Atka is, because they might not understand. He is your ambassador at the center. Correct. So we actually have four ambassador wolves, but he is pretty much the self-appointed CEO of the Wolf Center, and he really is the face of the center now for, you know, over a decade. Amazing. And you go out in public, you do shows, people can come there. I shouldn't really say shows, because really you're focused on wolf conservation and education. Let's talk about your mission first, which is so important for everyone. 
Sure. So we really have three major components at the Wolf Center, three major programs. And the first one, which is always key, is education. And that's where wolves like ACTA and our three other ambassador wolves come into play, uh, Zephyr, Alewa, and Nakai. Where these are the wolves that are socialized. That means we're going to be hand-raising them. And, uh, and so they're pretty comfortable around people, and that makes them excellent educators. So these guys reside on-site where they can be seen by our guests and really help forge a connection between all of our visitors and their wild kin. And Atka is really the weirdest wolf I've ever known, but also the most fabulous wolf, because he actually allowed us to extend our educational message far beyond the gates of our facility in South Salem by going to universities and museums and schools and different communities. So he would really bring the Wolf Center to different communities all over the Northeast. So, again, just amazing and kind of weird guy that he embraced this road warrior kind of Uh, lifestyle. He's not a pet. We have to make that clear. Oh, yes. No, he's definitely not a pet. You know, wolves are naturally very fearful and elusive. You know, they really want nothing to do with people. And that's why these uh, four ambassador wolves we have, we're really working with them from when they're, you know, just a week or so old. So get them comfortable around people. Not only so they can be excellent educators, but also so they live comfortable lives within the roles they have. Yeah, he so, is. And, yeah, and there's, I mean, and, you know, Lauren, I mean, when Atkins come came to your studio at Pet Talk, he demonstrated pretty <laughs> well that he wasn't a pet because <laughs> there was always a certain level of destruction. And yeah, also right. people well-intended <laughs> destruction, but destruction nonetheless. Um, we should ex- yeah, right. Was a lot of fun. He didn't, not on any person, but uh, he used to love <laughs> when we had special shows, he would like to eat our scenery, which we just always got a kick out of. But it was yeah. just really, I mean, he was one of our favorite guests, and of course, you as well, Maggie. But the fact that you could see this beautiful animal, and you could see, uh, you know, they are wild animals, but how important it is that we all, you know, get a chance to learn about why wolves are so important. And and as you touched on, you're very big on education. You're also big uh, in the species survival plan. You've done some really great work there at the center. Explain uh, what goes on with that. Sure. So another part of what we're doing at the Wolf Center is we are participating in the federal recovery program of two critically endangered wolf species. And the first one is the uh, Mexican gray wolf, which is just a subspecies of the gray wolf, which is the type of wolf most people would imagine if you say the word wolf. And also the very rare and equally endangered red wolf, which is a different species of wolf. And by participating, we actually house these animals. We collaborate with other facilities like ourselves, with state and federal wildlife agencies. For the Mexican wolf, also with uh, uh, similar agencies down uh, in Mexico. And we're going to be doing captive breeding. We're making recommendations for which wolves of ours are appropriate to be released to their ancestral home in the wild. And sometimes some extra really you know, crazy measures to do everything we can to prevent these guys from going extinct again. Actually, both the red wolf and the Mexican gray wolf, um, they both went extinct in the wild. So really the only places where they remained until their reintroduction was in captivity. So uh, really we're doing what we can to, to safeguard these guys and let them be where they're supposed to, which again is on the wild landscape. Absolutely. So important. What is the status now? Are they making a comeback in the wild? What's going on with that? Well, unfortunately, there's always challenges if you're a wild animal, and that's natural. But both of these species face very unnatural political challenges as well. And with the red wolf right now, just two or three years ago, their numbers were about 100. 
in the only place where they live in the wild would be in, in North Carolina. And sadly, because uh, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service is reviewing this recovery program in North Carolina, they really dropped the ball and have walked away from all of the measures and all of the tasks that they had to do to really support that population. And today, uh-huh. there's only 45 known red wolves remaining in the wild on Earth. Nice. And uh, so we've really been, you know, we're, we're not happy with U.S. Fish and Wildlife. Yeah. In fact, we started a hashtag to your job targeted at U.S. Fish and Wildlife because we really feel like this agency, the very agency charged with protecting endangered species, is abandoning this recovery. Mm. And so we're hoping that, that with us and with mobilize others to really put the pressure on and see if we can save these last remaining, you know, 40 wolves. Oh, it's very sad. It's very um, sad. Yeah, the Mexican wolf, it's similar. Their numbers aren't quite as low, thank goodness. And U.S. Fish and Wildlife is still engaged, as well as all the other stakeholders. And uh, the current population is 97 in the wild in the United States. And they live in Arizona and New Mexico. And there's also, I believe, about 10 of them south of the border in Mexico. Well, I mean, that's one of the beauties of your center. Not only are you helping, but people can come and actually hopefully get a glance Mm -hmm. at these, you know, majestic animals. How does it work? So listeners, how can they come to the center? And also, how can they help you? Because, I mean, this is a not-for-profit, you know, center as well. So you, you could use funding and help. Yeah, no, definitely. So basically, in order to visit us, we are a little difficult, but really, we just sound difficult. We're really not that bad. <laughs> but we're not a walkthrough like a typical um, zoo, because we're really not a zoo. And what we do is we just offer lots of educational events for people of all ages. We have things just, some stuff just for adults, some just for children. Uh, we actually have sleepovers now at the Wolf Center, which are selling like hotcakes. <laughs> That's such a good idea. And so what we do is we just post all of our events on our website calendar. And in order to come visit, you just have to register. So we just require pre-registration and you can view all of this on our website, which is just ny as in New York, wolf.org. And if anyone has questions, they just give us a call and we can help walk them through how to register online or just take their uh, registration over the phone. And it works out nicely this way because we have much more smaller groups, it's intimate, the wolves are more comfortable that way. I think our visitors have a better experience. And we really want people to understand when they come to the Wolf Center that, you know, what these wolves are. We want them to have a, a good understanding by first learning about them, you know, how to appreciate the wolves that are on view. If they get to see one of our Mexican wolves or red wolves, how special that is because of their yeah. elusive nature. That's so amazing. really by wrapping up all visits, to the Wolf Center with this educational package, it really is a much more fulfilling uh, experience to visit us. Do you take school groups as well? Oh, yes. We have yeah. lots of school groups, scout groups, you name it. And uh, it's always a lot of fun. I remember we went to the howling. And that was a riot. When they howl, <laughs> you they listen to them. And it's just, it just so much fun and uh, also creative in the programs you do. And I remember people were just mesmerized. They loved it. And many of our Pet Talk viewers went after seeing you on the show, and they just raved about it, Maggie. Um, uh, the oh, cent- that's awesome. Yeah, really. Uh, the center was founded back in 1999. Is that right? Correct. It was founded by uh, our two co-founders. Uh, both artists. Uh, one is a classical pianist named Alain Grimaud, and the other one, environmental photographer J. Henry Fair. And they both had a passion for wolves and a dream to open some sort of conservation center to educate the public about their importance in flight. So it's hard to believe now, you know, 20, 
almost 20 years later that uh, what the Wolf Center has become. We're currently home to 20 wolves. Wow. Uh, most of most of whom remain off off uh, exhibit though. Yeah, uh, we're kind of a tease that way. We have our ambassador wolf and one Mexican wolf and two red wolves on exhibit, and all the others are hidden up in our woods uh-huh. uh, to really safeguard that elusive behavior they'll require if they get released into the wild. Now, uh, if people are wanting you to maybe come to a program with ATCA, how does that work, Maggie? Well, we're actually easing the poor guy into retirement. Yeah, I know. He's tired. <laughs> and uh, actually, you know, I've been trying to, because I, I in the past handled all his scheduling and really just have been pushing, you know, hundreds of people away over yeah. the past few years and really thought that he would be fully retired by now, but he, he just really likes it. Yeah. So getting on the road and seeing a group of people and doing his thing is something he's not really ready to give up. Right. So we're doing about two programs per month just to kind of keep him active. We're staying pretty local as well because he's still got it and he loves oh, it. No, so he's so it's, great. It's uh, yeah, we're so tired, great. but he's doing great. <laughs> I, I just love him. I encourage people because it's really, it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I mean, it's it's amazing to see him. And again, he sort of looks a little like a German Shepherd, but you see that wildness in his eyes. So he's really spectacular. We want to mention that you are also a big pet lover, Maggie. You've got dogs, birds, <laughs> snakes, bearded dragons, crabs, and fish. But yeah. again, a wolf is not a pet. So no. <laughs> uh, I applaud you for the work that you are doing. Again, let's tell this how they can get in touch with you because they can find you not only on your website, nywolf.org, but aren't you on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram? I guess you have to sort of be everywhere. Yeah, we're everywhere. And it's amazing because social media has been very kind to us, really been a wonderful platform to, to get our educational message out there and also to allow people to see these beautiful animals. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that we have, you know, all these just amazing predators right at our right at our fingertips at the wolf center we were able to share all these photos and videos and action alerts with people and we're close to three million followers now on facebook which blows my mind that is um but yeah so just look us up and you'll see active faces everywhere uh big white arctic wolf and, and that's when you know you found us and don't you also have a tv webcam that people can tune into we do. Yeah. Our website, we okay. have a number of webcams. Okay. So unbeknownst to our ambassador wolves and critically endangered wolves, they are welcoming a global audience into their lives. That's and great. it's been amazing. We had actually a litter of red wolf pups born last year, wow. last May at the Wolf Center. And the mom had them right in the den, which was equipped with a den camp. And so, really, we had people from Australia and Japan and all over the U.S. and everywhere else engaged watching this family of red wolves, watching the pups nurse, watching the pups first howl, their first steps, watching really the dynamic between this multi-generational family. And not only was it just really addictive to watch these Uh pets all the time, but it helped us build this amazing community of really engaged supporters. And not only are they, you know, out fighting for red wolves and donating to the wolf center, but they're also really teaching everyone within their circle of influence about the importance of wolves. And so these webcams, we originally got them as a husbandry tool just to help ah. us take care of wolves that we rarely see. Right. It turned out to be the most amazing educational tool. Oh. And uh, they can be problematic from time to time. 
but uh, I'll text him technology. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, well, what can you do, but, right? Oh, my gosh. They are awesome. And we have new ones coming out so soon. Every single one of our wolf enclosures will have live streaming webcams. So Fantastic. it's really exciting. Well, I hope everybody takes a moment to log on, to look at that, and to visit the Wolf Conservation Center in South Salem, New York. You will be so glad you did. Ask for Maggie Howell, (laughs) Executive (laughs) Director, and I hope you get a chance to meet Atka. Uh, Maggie, thank you, as always, for being here and for all of the wonderful work all of you do. Uh, Oh, thank you, Lauren. Amazing. Okay, My Dog Digs Dirt is going to take a short break, and we will be right back after this. They wake me up every morning. Their tails are always wagging. They're just running constantly and chasing, you know, shadows and sticks. Their coats are much better. They're very happy dogs. If you want the dog to be healthy, you got to feed it something healthy. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. I have three dogs, golden retrievers, and I make their own food, ground beef, white rice, um, eggs, including the shells, and the Dynavite supplement, and then the Lico Chops. It takes a few minutes every week. Before the Dynavite, they were overweight. They slept all the time. So now they jump all over me when I'm putting it in their bowls. They're crazy about this food. And their vet said that it's so much healthier for them. Go check out Rescue Dogs. They're just waiting to be loved. Get them started on this Dynavite diet, the health food for animals, and you'll see amazing results. 859-428-1000. 859-428-1000. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Amazing Pet Expos is coming to a city near you. Admission is always free and your pet is welcome. Shopping, adoptions, free nail trims, discounted shots and microchipping, agility, a pet costume contest, and much more. Plus, meet the guys from Animal Planet's hit TV series Tank and Pit Boss online at AmazingPetExpos.com. Bring your pets to the Pet Expo. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. You are listening to the one and only My Dog Digs Dirt. I'm Lauren Collier, your host, and I am delighted to introduce you to the founder and president of a wonderful rescue organization called Yorkie 911 Incorporated, Heidi Walker, along with the director of social media, Mary Goodrow. We're so happy to have you both here. You know I'm a huge fan of both of you and the wonderful work you do to save not only Yorkies, but other small breed dogs. Uh, Really incredible. First, I want to start off with congratulating you, Heidi, because I understand you were just honored with the New York Pet Fashion Show 2016 Special Achievement Award. Congratulations. Yes, thank you. You must be very <laughs> Thanks proud. Thanks a lot. That was yeah, both, I am. It, yeah. was, it was an honor, quite an honor to, to receive that award. I was very surprised. And of course, for all the wonderful work that you do. And you were voted on by the dog community and your peers. So that is uh, really something to be proud of. So congratulations on that. Um, let's thank start you. by talking about uh, Yorkie 911. How did you get started, Heidi? Well, I used to volunteer with a Pennsylvania-based rescue, and I was with them for about five years. We were building up a really nice network of foster homes and getting a lot of dogs adopted, and one day the founder of that organization said to me, 
I hate New York. I'm not going to send any more dogs there. And I felt like, well, then I guess you don't really need me. Mm. And I just figured, well, there are so many dogs here on the island. We have a great network of foster families now. And so Yorkie 911 Rescue was created. Now, was it tough to begin a rescue? There's a lot of paperwork involved. I had to do a lot of research. And, you know, becoming a 501c3, you have to uh, file papers with the government. But it was so worth it because we are a reputable, you know, 501c3 charity. So people who make uh, donations, they're tax deductible. But it, is, it isn't so easy to get that, that status. And, you know, it took a lot of time and effort, and we're very, you know, proud of it. And Mary, let's talk about some of the wonderful work that you do. Uh, you mm-hmm. really bring together people with these dogs, and, and you really make these perfect matches. How does that work? Well, basically, people put in an application and, you know, we screen through the application process and we make sure that the dog they're looking for is right for them and that they're right for the particular dog that they are looking to adopt. You know, the dogs are rescued. They've, you know, come from, obviously, whether it be, uh, you know, not such a good situation, uh, being abandoned, surrendered, or whatever. So we want to make sure that the home that they go into after we have them in foster care is the right one for them. So, you know, we go through the process, like we said, and we try to screen them accordingly. And I think that is really wonderful because in the end, it works out great because maybe the person isn't so sure about what they're looking for. And you can really match them. Yeah. Is that a tough process to do, Heidi? You know, we do try to guide them to the right dog for their situation. Somebody will look at a picture and say, oh, my God, that's the dog I want. But, you know, if that dog is not good with children and they have children or that dog is not good with other dogs or they have a cat and the dog is not good with cats, we tell them all the information that we know about the dog so that they're making the right choice. Yeah. And some people, you know, sometimes they're not as open to it. But then once they understand why we're saying what we're saying, they realize that, you know, we have a lot of experience doing this and that we're trying to help them make the right decision. Yeah. And I mean, you both of you were on Pet Talk many times and we absolutely loved having you. And one of the Mm -hmm. things I love about you of the many things is that you really stress education as well. Talk a bit about that, about responsible pet ownership and educating people about how to be a good pet owner. Well, you know, we talk to people all the time. We do a lot of different meet and greets so that we get exposure and that people understand, you know, that there are rescues out there. We talk to them about why they need to spay and neuter their pets, why they need to vaccinate their pets. And we also try to explain, you know, the breeds that we know. And that's when we initially started, we started only with Yorkies because that was the breed we knew. Now we've been able to expand to a lot of the other small breed dogs because we're getting to know them ourselves. And we can explain to them the different characteristics and traits and, you know, why this dog might be good for them and why this other dog might not be good for them. So, you know, education is very important to us. We've even gone into some elementary schools and some junior high schools to talk to the children and explain to them so that they can also explain to their parents. You know, the more that people know, you know, about adopting, about puppy mills, about shelters, about poor breeding, the better educated they are, Hopefully, at some point, we won't have to have as many rescues. Uh, that would be great, wouldn't it? Uh, where do the dogs come from? Everywhere. <laughs> oh, Everywhere. 
<laughs> everywhere I mean, right. <laughs> yeah, everywhere from like surrender, you know, people surrendering their animals, like Heidi said, uh, puppy mills, uh, you know, abandoned dogs, various places, right, Heidi? We also work with a lot of the local shelters here on yeah. Long Island, town of Hempstead Shelter, Islip Shelter, Babylon Shelter, shelters in Manhattan, Connecticut. We've gotten calls from shelters as far as Vermont asking for help. Yeah, New Hampshire, um, yeah. And I would say, though, a large majority, though, that we take our owner surrenders. And then what happens? What is the process? Because a lot of people don't understand. You know, you get the dog and then and what happens? Well, even an owner has to fill out an application for us so that we have information on that dog. We do an assessment on the dog to make sure that they're not aggressive. Once the dog comes into foster care, they are seen by our vet and are completely vetted. So if they need to be spayed or neutered, if they need dentals, whatever vaccines they need, if they need surgeries, we do all of that before the dog is adopted. We actually have a dog right now that needs cataract surgery. And he's a young dog. He's only four years old, and his name is Fraser Crane. So (laughs) we're we're actually going to try and get both of his eyes done and we've been researching where to do it and you know so it's affordable for the rescue and then you know we adopt the dog out after that and of course you're volunteers so you are looking always I'm sure for help uh, financially I know you do these wonderful fundraisers Uh, you have a great one coming up let's talk about some of these wonderful activities and how people can get involved our listeners Oh, Mary, that's your end. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And I want to mention that you girls are huge pet lovers, too. So not only do you foster, but you usually adopt. Heidi, you have how many? You have Aramis, (laughs) Nellie, Charlotte, Cleopatra, (laughs) Caesar, Holly, Shelby, and is it Chupa? Yes. Don't tell everybody. I know. know, You know, it's important, I think, for listeners to know that, you know, you love these animals and you do it out of a passion. And it's just so, so wonderful. Mary, you have Pebbles and Philly. And, of course, you have your wonderful husband who's not a puppy, but uh, he helps you out. He acts like one sometimes. But that's another show altogether. And Philly... Philly was, you know, a foster failure because Mary uh, yeah, was, was fostering foster him. I remember very she, temporarily. I remember she <laughs> yeah. brought a, she brought him on pet talk, and she's like, "Look at this Philly! I love him. Yeah. I'm a foster, and I'm like, oh, he's going to be your baby soon." So oh, exactly, yeah. that's great. And Talk it's about, funny because yeah. she found. I mean, I introduced her to Philly at our event, Rescues Rock the Runway, yeah. which is what Mary's going to talk about now. And yep. it was love, right? But you were fostering, but there you go. So Yeah, and we fell in love. And then that's why, like, now with um, dogs, I have taken other dogs in, but I know that they're going to go somewhere because it is so hard to let go of them. You do that's fall in love true. with them, you know? It's that's- really hard to let go. It's important because um, then people know when they get one of your dogs how loved it has been, you know? So oh, that's yeah. that's Absolutely. really... So you have this great event coming up. Let's talk about that. Yes, we do have this great event. Aside from all, you know, adoption events from now till our big annual event, we have Rescues Rock the Runway, which is an annual event that we host every year on Long Island at the Upsky Hotel. That's taking place on June 5th. It's a great event, a full afternoon of, you know, Rescues on the Runway. So we do three designers. We pick three designers every year who put on a show. And we dress our rescues, and they walk the catwalk. They dress for a cause. And um, then we, uh, you know, have three different contests for the participants, you know, and their pets to get involved, seeing as how it's only our rescues on the runway. We want, you know, the audience participation. We want them to have some fun, too. So we put together three different contests every year. 
this year actually is pretty funny because, well, we do the all famous mummy and me lookalike every year because that's <laughs> always a big hit. Yeah. yeah but then this year we've added It's a Small World. So it's going to be dogs dressing in costumes from around the world. Oh, that's great. And then, yeah, the other one is Golden Age of Hollywood. So it's we've picked 26 iconic Hollywood celebrities and we've asked people, you know, to pick one of their looks and replicate it on the runway. Oh, with how funny. Their top. So that'll be cute. And then we have tons of raffles. I mean, we are known for our wonderful raffle baskets and stuff. And that's basically how we raise our money. We work very hard to get donations and stuff from different companies and people. And we put together great raffle prizes for, you know, to be appealing to everyone so we can raise as much funds as possible. And you're always looking for help because... Otherwise, you couldn't function. Uh, It's expensive. Exactly. Yeah. I know you also have a monthly meet and greets, and that's really important, too. This gives people a chance to uh, see some of the dogs you have for adoption and see maybe if there's a match, Exactly. They get to see more. That's right. You know, it's the dogs that get adopted at the actual events are approved applicants. Because, you know, we don't let people come to an event and just take a look at the dog and say, oh, I like this dog and leave. Everybody has to go through the process. But at least it gives approved applicants a place to see more than one dog, visit with more than one dog to see, you know, if it's right for them. And also for people who don't know us, it's great exposure and they get to see some of the dogs that, you know, we get into rescue and facilitates them, you know, being more eager to go home and fill out an application, take the next step. Right. And, and, you've and, also and got, I would yeah, say uh-huh. also that, right. that every, every time we do a meet and greet, there's always somebody who says, I didn't know that there were breed rescues. I didn't know that Yorkies needed to be rehomed. They think that, you know, because it's a small breed dog and they're expensive to purchase and, you know, if if they're buying from a a breeder or a pet store, they didn't know that they could go online and find a rescue for a a Maltese, for a a Yorkie, or for any breed for that matter. So, it's, it's again, it's about educating the people. I think that's a really good point because people have asked me many times and um, it's important to know that you can adopt. And of course, Yorkie 911 Rescue Inc. is a perfect place to do that. Uh, Let's uh, tell people once again uh, where they can find you and how they can get involved and how they can purchase tickets for your upcoming wonderful fundraiser. Well, we have a website. It's Yorkie911Rescue.com. On the website is our email and our phone number. We're always looking for volunteers and foster families. Most of the foster families do need to be located in the New York area. And to get tickets for our events, you can also find it on the website under events. But we also have a Facebook page. We're also on Twitter Twitter and Instagram. Instagram. Anywhere else, Mary? That we can, um, that they nope. can get the tickets. Uh-huh. Nope. That's a lot. Well, but, <laughs> all, yeah, all of those places have yeah. our event posted. So on any one of the social media feeds. So once again, your big event is coming up June fifth. Uh, you That's always correct. have meet and greets, but there's also other events. You've done comedy shows. Really, really runs the gamut. But cocktail parties, country night. Yeah. I congratulate you both on the wonderful work you do. Thank you, Mary. Thank you so much, Heidi. I hope everyone will uh, log on to the website for Yorkie 911 Rescue. And I thank our listeners out there for tuning in to My Dog Digs Dirt. If you have any comments, please write me here, lauren at petliferadio.com. Thank you to my producer, Mar. Thank you. Shout out. I thank you all. And tune in for the next My Dog Digs Dirt coming up soon. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.